In Australia, you can't buy alcohol in 7-Eleven. Oh my god. What? What's the point of a 7-Eleven? <laughs> Why do you even bother? This is the $5 Planet Travel Podcast. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzi. And we bring you the formula to discover travel freedom. Step one, learn the secrets of affordable long-term travel. Every Thursday, we'll show you how we travel the world in style, full-time, for as little as $300 per person per month. Step two, learn how to create enough online income to support your travel lifestyle. Every Monday, we interview digital entrepreneurs who reveal the methods they use to get paid wherever they are in the world. So join us twice a week for Money Mondays and Travel Thursdays and discover travel freedom on the $5 Planet Travel Podcast. This is Travel Thursday, episode 003, Hong Kong. And in today's episode, Twitter activist Chris Derps gives us the lowdown on the protests in Hong Kong and has this to say about the democratic process. It's just like a buffet, but everything is tofu. You can choose, but everything is tofu, and you can eat as much tofu as you want, but all you get is tofu. But that's not a buffet, that is a lie. And I try one of the stranger Hong Kong delicacies. Wow, it looks like umbilical cord. <laughs> well, hey everyone, how's it going? <laughs> Good, thanks, Tom. Can you respond? No, I doubt it, because uh, you're not here. We're here, and um, this is what we wanted to mention when we started this show. Uh, we are recording in different places every day. In fact, in every episode. In this episode, you'll hear us having recorded in about five different locations, maybe more. See, there's even bells going off. Yeah, we're currently in Faro in Portugal. So because we are actual digital nomads, we are always on the road and we have to record just wherever we are. So that's why the sound's going to be a little bit different from each little segment that we do. But we hope you guys can forgive us for that uh, as we take you around the world with us, giving you some great tips along the way. Uh, but also another thing to notice is we actually have recently gone carry on only, which is really exciting for oh, us. Oh, yes. Uh, we just got sponsored by Cabin Zero, which is a, a cabin-sized backpack specifically designed to fit Ryanair. And as we're in Europe, that's perfect. Of course, it fits other airlines as well, but Ryanair is one of the strictest ones, which yeah. means this bag will go in any carry-on locker. It's fantastic. So we're down to 44 liters per person plus a small side bag. And that's it. That's all we've got. So we don't carry hundreds of microphones and a portable studio around with us. Boom mics an, and whatnot. No, we've no got way. an iPad for recording in the street, and we've got a microphone plugged into our computer. Just a tiny little microphone. Nice high quality road mic, but it's tiny, portable, very convenient. And yeah, so the sound is going to change up and down on this podcast a little bit and you're going to have to bear with us. We're going to make sure that it's all understandable, you can hear it, but uh, we can't guarantee that the soundscape is going to be the same. Just focus on the awesome information that we're giving you, because that's what it's all about. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Travel freedom, location independence. We're doing this shit for real. Yeah. Which means, yeah, we don't have a studio to go back to. But anyway, today we're talking about slow travel. Yeah, this is something that we preach about all the time because it's something that took us a while to actually realize was an important part of traveling. We spent a lot of time in the early days just going from town to town to town to city to city to country to country to country. And at the end of it, we were exhausted. We, we burnt out bad. Yeah, because really location independence, this is a lifestyle change. It's not a holiday. Some people say, oh, I've been on holiday for years. They haven't been on holiday for years. No. Most of them, if they're having to work at the same time, 
that's not a holiday, is it? They're working every day and traveling quite often. But if you stay in one place for a bit longer rather than rushing around, not only will you save a load of money because you won't have to spend all that money on buses and trains and planes every single day, but also you can get long-term accommodation, which is always cheaper. If you get a month's rent rather than two days' rent on each place, you're going to save a fortune. It's going to be less than half the accommodation costs. Yeah. We also tend to rock up in places when it's off-season as well, and so you can negotiate even cheaper prices then. It's great. Yeah. And... Um, you can, of course, get free accommodation, which is something we do a lot. House sitting is one of the main things we do with that. And, for example, when we were at TBEX back in October, after the conference, we got ourselves a 10-day house sit. In Athens. In Athens, yeah. The TBEX conference it. in Athens was fantastic. And we met up with a lot of people whilst we were at the conference. And then, of course, some people like to stay around afterwards. And because we were there, we got to hang out with those guys. We made better connections. We made better networking. So this is this is really good for your business as well as for your wallet. Um the kitten we were looking after in Athens is called Figaro. Oh, he was so cute. He was really cute. He was so cute. He was only a few months old and he was tiny. And there'll be a photo on the show notes for this episode 003. It's so cool actually being able to have pets because when you travel all the time, you don't have your own pets. So we sort of get to adopt pets for a few weeks here and there. And yeah. we've met some real characters over the, the last eight months or so. Yeah, we had, we stayed for a month in France and we had Euclid there, who was this tiny little Burmese cat that just loved like sitting on your chest with his face right in front of your face. Yeah, he'd <laughs> sit right on your face. Like pretty much, like he would come up to you and yeah. get right in your grill. It was quite ridiculous. Or if we were like sitting side by side, he would do everything he could to just be right in between us. Like he would just squeeze and move and manipulate himself so that he could be between us all the time. He was very cute. So yeah, whether you're a cat lover or a dog lover, there's loads of different pet sitting options. There's also horses and guinea pigs and rabbits and goats and there's lots of different animals. I, I saw llamas one time. <laughs> That would be crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, jump on trustedhousesitters.com. That's the website we use. Or you can just do uh, $5planet slash house. And you can take a look at house sitting because seriously, it's going to save you a load of money. And these pets are awesome. A lot of fun. Anyway, we're getting off track. We're talking about slow travel today. And yeah, house sitting is a major part of that. Getting your cheaper and free accommodation. But you also, because you're spending less, and this is really the fundamental point about slow travel when you're trying to be a digital nomad and trying to get your business started. You are spending less. That's your goal. If you're traveling really fast, you're spending more. But if you're spending less, then you can travel longer with the money you have. That means if you're starting on savings and your business is only bringing in a couple of hundred bucks a month, that's going to prolong the time you have to work on that business and then make it successful. If you don't have time, you can't develop it. If you have to go back to work for someone else, you don't have the time anymore. So you've got to make this travel freedom stretch out until you're really making some money. Yeah, other ways that it saves you money is one, because you're in a place for a long time, you're probably going to start cooking for yourself rather than eating out three times a day, which you would normally do when traveling quickly. Uh, having a kitchen means you can go to the local markets, you can shop around, you can get a lot of the local fresh produce and make the stuff for yourself. And that really saves a lot of money. Yeah, there's just so many different ways to save money when you're traveling slowly. And you make friends. World. You make friends. Friends. <laughs> Everybody make friends likes friends. Anyway. <laughs> no, but like, oh, you know, we're invited up to people's places for dinner and feel like, you know, regular couples again. <laughs> because having fun and traveling is not like a regular couple no, stuff. But you we just hate don't, that. No, you just don't have a chance to do that, like with all the time. Of course, you go out like one, you meet someone one night and then the next day they're like, oh, well, I'm leaving now. So you get to like start a bit of a relationship with people when you stay in a place for a longer amount of time. You, you form stronger connections. Yeah. And that's important choose a location where you want to go and live for a month. If it's nice and sunny in Southeast Asia, go to Southeast Asia. There's tons of digital nomads in uh, Chiang Mai. People hang yeah. out there a lot because it's a really cool place. It's great food, great atmosphere. And I've heard there's a fantastic blogging community there as well. Yeah. And it's an ever-changing blogging community as well. But the point is you're not going to be staying at home 
looking outside going, oh, it's grey and miserable for the next six months and I have to go to work every day. As soon as the grey weather comes, you go, cool, I'm moving on to the next location. Yeah. If you're travelling really fast, you don't have time to do work. Travel slow. Stay on track. Do your work. Make your money. And then once you've built your business, you've had time to build your business, then... Do whatever you want, man. Yeah. Then you can travel much faster if you want, or you keep your business running, you get the money going in the savings, and then you can take a week off, you can take a month off and just not do any work at all, set up your business so that it runs itself. There's lots of options for the future. That sounds like travel freedom to me, Tom. That, <laughs> that sounds like a gay presenter voice to me, Maxie. <laughs> oh, well, we have silly times <laughs> on the roof. Sitting on a roof in Portugal right now recording a podcast. As you do. I think that's travel freedom. Hells yeah. Okay, it's time for our Hong Kong feature, Food and Fun, coming up. But first, we talk to Chris Derps, Twitter activist, about superstitions and political protests in Hong Kong. Religion doesn't really play that big a role in Chinese culture. It's kind of a mix of everything. So we will have Buddhist holidays. But we will, we might have Taoist uh, ceremonies when when we have a wedding or or if someone dies, and we might mix it up with something Christian. Whatever is convenient, we use it uh, so pretty much. They do us when we were in China. They're like the one thing Chinese people worship is money. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> that is very true. That is very true. But people believe a lot in omens and juju. Some people say if you, if you see money on like coins on the floor, don't pick it up. Because it, it might be dead people's money. There's a lot of weird traditions going on. There's also these ceremonies. Someone died of an accident, then uh, there will be a Taoist sorcerer, and then he will dance around with a sword that's on fire. They say it breaks open the gate to the underworld. Wow. I want to see that. I, I well, you gotta wait for someone you know to die. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Also, you, also, you don't know that many Chinese people, so high chance that's me. So I hope you don't. We heard someone say this when we were in Hong Kong. If their children don't finish their rice, they'll have an ugly wife when they grow up. Yes, yeah. They say the the bottom of the bowl. It is your future wife's face. So if you leave rice in there, and that's her pimples everywhere. Oh, okay. <laughs> also, we have uh, like an almost religious attitude towards chopsticks. Most of the parents, if you use chopsticks wrong, they will hit your hand with a chopstick. Because they say that then you eat like a lower class. Oh. If you use it wrong. I totally use it wrong, and I'm totally lower class, so I'm very okay with it. But, <laughs> but other families are much tighter with the role. Like my, my father was, um, when he used it wrong, my grandfather was like, slapped his hand with with a chopstick. Oh, wow, well, it's tough parenting. My parents tried it on me, but I just refused to eat rice and I just eat bread all day. <laughs> so I was like, I'm just not going to use it. Not going to use it. <laughs> and, and thinking you know, outside the they, box. I still, I still use it the way I used it when I was a baby. So I used it wrong, but I don't care. I mean, it's a, it's a tool I'm using to put things in my mouth, so I don't care. <laughs> how I do it. If I can do it, if I can do it, I can do it. Um, and if you leave your chopstick sticking out of rice, like standing up in rice, that means something to do with death. Yeah, because it looks like you're putting incense stick on an altar for your dead relatives. I, I don't I don't do it because death is like a major thing with Chinese culture. You have to respect the dead and, and whatever. If you if you really do it, your relatives gonna get really really angry at you. Next up, we ask Chris about the political protests in Hong Kong. You can follow his Twitter feed on Chris D E R P S. I'm on Twitter and uh, I do live tweets of the protests. Uh, and even when I'm not there, when I'm at work, I still tweet. So I'm kind of slacking at work. Uh, my, my account is uh, twitter.com slash Chris Derps and it's uh, Chris and then D-E-R-P-S. So I work with some journalists and some activists and then we try to spread the news and try to get uh, live uh, news out there so people can actually know what's happening. So can you just sort of briefly explain for people who don't know what the protests are about? 
Hong Kong was a British colony um, until 1997. Since China took Hong Kong back, and then the law in the system was changed during the transition between well UK rule and China rule. And there's actually a promise that says、uh, China would give Hong Kong、um, a universal suffrage. So they promised that before. I think. 2012 didn't happen, and so 2014 didn't happen, and now they say 2017. But the problem is with the system; they they want to screen the candidate. So you have, then they say you have to love the country before you are allowed to run. Yeah, and it's decided by a really arbitrary, like a small council. It's just like a buffet, but everything is tofu. You can choose, but everything is tofu, and you can eat as much tofu as you want. But all you get is tofu. So that's not a buffet; that is a lie. The protests that are happening in Hong Kong at the moment. What's important for tourists to know? Well, most of the time when you see a major news, it's always going to be violent clashes and whatnot. Yeah.、Um, when the police are not trying to crush it, it's really like surprisingly peaceful. Like the first day, I the first day I went there, people were making art and then. Uh, f- like folding paper umbrellas, and they were decorating, and and people were singing, and、uh, the people there aren't really violent. I mean, honestly, we are way too peaceful for protesting. God, we are so peaceful. <laughs>、um, I was really touched because the moment you get there, people start taking care of you. It's a very communal thing. A, there's a very strong bond between people. Because usually, as Hong Kong goes, we are a very metropolitan city, and people are usually ignoring each other. But in the protest, though, it changes so much, and that's one thing that I'm really proud of. One time, I was just walking past, and it was like it was getting colder that week, and then there was like a group of old ladies, and they're walking really slowly, and they just car- they were carrying a bottle of ginger honey. She was just handing out ginger honey to like students. She was like, "It's really cold out here. You keep it keep warm and wear more clothes." And can out like ginger honey, and it's just like a bunch of little old ladies. And then I was like, "Oh, <laughs> it was it was very adorable." Yeah. People there call themselves villagers because they feel like it's like a village of their own. And then so they were,、um, so there there's a library you can borrow books from. <laughs> We have a study corner in the protest area. A lot of students are there, and a lot of them are well, because this is like exam season, and so but the students still come out. And then so to let them study, then there were some really really nice old people and, and commoners, and they start building tables. So it started out as like five tables along the highway, and then it evolved so much over over time. And then there was a canopy, and someone installed light and brought generators. And then、uh, then we were like, we need to be environmentally friendly. So someone built a wind turbine for the light, and there's a bicycle that you can generate power with. So it was it, it would be like a dude like riding a bike, and then people were standing next to him. And they would talk and like, oh hey, thank you. And then he's like, oh no, so I'm just exercising. <laughs> so the protest, in some sense, would be interesting to visit just to see. It is that. Oh, 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 definitely, definitely. I I always suggest people to go there because well, inside is pretty safe. There is a machine and it's a bicycle and it's、uh, connected to like a lever. And whenever you ride it, and the lever slams on the head of the politician. <laughs> <laughs> We leave politics and superstitions behind to ask Chris a little about Hong Kong itself. I think there is a general misconception that Hong Kong people are rude. Like a foreigner asks a question, if a Hong Kong person doesn't know English to how to answer, they just walk away.、Uh, and it's not really because they don't want to help you, but they can't, or they don't understand what you're saying, so they just they just slowly back away and just turn around. <laughs> We are such a big city that people don't get faced by anything. Like I was in the train station once, and I saw this old lady with a blonde wig and a and A sailor shirt, 
and short skirt and go-go boots in pink, and she just she just say she was she was sixty, and she just say strut down the escalator, and people just look at her, took a picture, and just well, well I guess it's an old lady in a weird dress, whatever, and just keep on walking. Yeah, we are very we are very nonchalant about a lot of things. <laughs> Where should travelers go for a bit of history and culture on a budget? Walk in the old district, and I think that's an area called Shangwan. The old district where all the old shops are, and where you can find like just randomly find like a tiny temple somewhere, and you can find like antiques and well, sometimes you see ivory shops, and if that offends you, don't go there. Uh, yeah, but there are a lot of like special small shops that's like um run by families for generations, so you can actually buy something that actually is Hong Kong style there. So this old town is a few minutes walk from Central on Hong Kong. Um, I think it's one station away. And there are also some really old buildings. I'm not sure about a hundred year old. That might be stretching a bit, but you can find like old, old style Hong Kong buildings there, definitely. Yes. What about all those people trying to sell me suits on the street? Are they trying to sell stuff to you as well, or is it just for foreigners? I never get, I never get asked. No. So I'm pretty sure it's foreigners only. Also, they they say they they oh they sell drugs too. Oh, really? Yeah. They target foreigners and they sell drugs, and I would tell you the quality is not good, and why I know that is not your business. <laughs> What are the nightlife options? I mean, if you want to, if you want to go shop and drink and party, and there's always um, Lang Kui Fong. So Lang Kui Fong is more like hardcore drinking and dancing and puking, and Soho is more like have a beer with your business people friends. So, what's your favorite bar in Hong Kong? Oh, Seven Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no bro, I'm cheap and I love cheap beer. So also, we can drink on the street. Seven Eleven, buy a beer, and you can just, you know, stand outside and drink. That's what people do in Hong Kong. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. We don't have a, like we don't have limitations for drinking on the street for some reason, and so yeah, we just kind of grab and go every like every time like in between bars, and we just grab one and then go there. I love it. And they open the beer for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, they have beer openers. Don't worry about it. In Australia, you can't buy alcohol in Seven Eleven. Oh my god! What? What's then? Then what's the point of a Seven Eleven? Why do you even bother? When we were in Hong Kong, we met up with Chris, and he took us to one of his favorite night spots for drinking from 7-Eleven, uh, the IFC Tower. You get an incredible view of the Hong Kong Harbor whilst being towered over by this looming building that was featured in Batman Begins. View Batman. Awesome sauce. <laughs> Behind this building, this thing spans all across. So oh. You can get views of all the harbor. A little known fact, we're in the IFC building. And at night you can come up here, even though it feels like it's closed, it's actually not closed at all. And even better, you can take a look around. We're in a, a public sort of seating area. It seems like a bar, but it's not a bar. It's actually completely public. You can sit here, they can't make you leave, you can bring your own beers in. And the best thing, of course, is the view. From here you can see the city lights of Kowloon reflecting on the harbour. Remember, you can find links, photos, and more information about everything featured in this podcast on our website, $5traveler.com. Just search Hong Kong Podcast. Next up, we get talking about food. What's your favorite thing about Hong Kong? Oh, food. Definitely food. This is the place where um, if you eat Italian or Japanese or Vietnamese or French, you actually have someone from that country to cook for you. And not just like fake Chinese food or fake... Uh, uh, Italian food. What are your two favorite local dishes from Hong Kong? Uh, oh, curry fish balls. Well, as someone who grew up here, that's like our go-to. Oh yeah, curry that's everywhere. Good. Well, it depends on where you find it. Hong Kong usually have pretty good food, like street food. Um, oh, curry fish balls is like what one point something US. Yeah, it's yeah. really cheap. 
also, there's a um, three Michelin star restaurant in Hong Kong. It's a dim sum place, and it's really cheap. Because it was started by um, a guy who used to be a Michelin chef. And then he said he wants to bring good Chinese food to, like, the common people. So he opened this dim sum restaurant. The Hong Kong food scene follows the Cantonese tradition, which means a lot of dishes you'll find in Hong Kong might be quite similar to stuff that you might find in Western countries in a local Chinese restaurant. But they do do their own twist on everything, and many people would say it's just a bit better than anywhere else in the world. We meet up with Eric and Eric, two native Hong Kongese guys in the New Territories, one of the suburb areas of Hong Kong, to try out a Sichuan dish with a Hong Kong twist. We are here in Hong Kong enjoying some Hong Kong hot pot. This is a spicy chicken hot pot. It's like Sichuan. Sichuan is the middle west side of China. Central west. Yes. And then in the west of China, people usually eat spicy. We like spicy food. In the middle of the table, we've got a massive communal pot bubbling away, filled with vegetables and meat and herbs and spices. Inside is a very famous chicken. Apparently, it's the best in the land. So Eric says. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We've got some uh, tasty, very lean-looking strips of beef there. And also to go in, we've got some squid as well. And what have we got here? This is like uh, the deep fried soy sheet. So it's a soya bean dough that's been deep fried. Oh, and beer. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Goose intestine. Intestine. From the goose. It's very tasty. Right, so the goose intestine is getting boiled up in the hot pot with everything else ready for us to eat it. That's for you. Oh, for me? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Wow. It looks like umbilical cord. Yeah, umbilical <laughs> <laughs> So, because my rule is I don't, won't eat anything that still has a face, I technically have to eat this. I do, so let's... Give it a go. <laughs> it's very chewy. Yeah, really. But it, it tastes okay. Yeah. yeah, you're right. There's like a squid, squid something, something squidgy. There's something squidgy inside. Something it. squidgy inside. Something's still alive. But it doesn't taste like poo. Which, <laughs> when I had intestine in France, it definitely tasted like poo. But, um, I didn't! Yeah. <laughs> you ate something crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think for that you deserve another beer. Yes! yes. Thank you, that will be my uh, reward. Yeah. The hot pot meal is designed for sharing. So grab yourself some friends and you can pick up one of these massive hot pots that's just full of meat and vegetables for about $20. And then each side dish is around $4 US dollars. And so, you know, six people, a few side dishes and a hot pot, that's around $5 per person. A great and very filling meal in Hong Kong. This is your weekly travel homework. Yeah, we've talked about slow travel earlier on. So when planning your next trip, give yourself time. Don't think, I'm going to see this, I'm going to see this, 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 and this. Think, I'm going to spend one month in the country and maybe visit one or two towns, not 20. Yeah, leave time to settle. And that way you make friends with locals and other travelers. You save money and you'll have more time to work on building your online income and you'll get more local experience. Slow travel. Thanks again for joining us on the $5 Planet Travel Podcast. For the complete plan to creating enough online income to travel where you want, whenever you want, also tune in to Money Mondays on the $5 Planet. We chat to the experts who are already living a life of travel freedom, and they'll share the secrets of how they do it and how you can too. So don't miss it. Or join us again next Thursday for more ways to travel the world affordably in style. Remember to tweet your questions and comments to at $5planet with the number 5. Or visit us on 5dollarplanet.com to find all the show notes and links from this episode. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzi. 
to catch us again on Mondays and Thursdays on the $5 Planet. Bye for now. Bye. Goodbye. Farewell. So long. Blah, blah. I have to come up with different ways to say bye. Fuck off. <laughs>